Well, I have to say, it's tempting to just focus on Robbie because he's adorable, um, and to focus on, or to focus on um, my recent vacation. Um, I'm happy to tell you all about our singing in Carnegie Hall in New York City, but you can ask me about that later. <laughs> right now, um, before Mark reads the scripture, I want to focus on a story that is seldom told and even more seldom preached on. It is something of a dark story that is liable to leave us with as many questions as answers, but it is worth a look and a listen. Before we get to this particular story that Mark's going to read, though, I want to give you a little more background. The story is part of the saga of Abraham, found in the book of Genesis, and it's one of the great narrative treasures of the Old Testament. Abraham is the patriarch of three religions, Judaism, Islam, and our own Christianity. And his story begins with a call from God, a call that caused Abraham to leave his family, his homeland, and his old gods behind and travel to a new land which God will show him. In this call found in the 12th chapter of Genesis, he can move around as he needs to. Whatever you need to do is fine. Um, this call begins with um, promises from God, promises that Abraham will be a great nation, promises that Abraham's name will be great, and promises that God will bless Abraham. And then God says something kind of unique. God says, I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Well, Abraham decides to take God up on his offer, and he, with his wife Sarah and his nephew Lot, he finds his way to the land of Canaan. He's 75 when he begins this journey. Along the way, Abraham and God have several encounters during which God's promises become more concrete. Abraham will have more descendants than stars in the sky, and God will give the land in which Abraham is living to those descendants. As the years go by, however, the promise of descendants remains elusive. At first, it seems that Lot would become Abraham's heir, but a falling out puts an end to that possibility. Then Sarah, who has been barren throughout their marriage, decides to help things along. In keeping with the customs of the day, she gives Abraham her Egyptian slave girl, Hagar, to be his wife, in the hope that through this girl she will have children. Hagar does indeed become pregnant, a state that elevates her status as a woman and causes her to look down on her mistress. When Sarah complains to Abraham, he shrugs and tells her to do what she pleases, whereupon Sarah begins to treat Hagar harshly. Hurt and angry, Sarah run, Hagar runs away. But on the way back to her homeland of Egypt, she is confronted by God, who tells her to return to Sarah and to submit to her and promises her that she too will have many descendants. God also tells her to name her child Ishmael, which means God's he, God hears. For God, the Lord has given heed to your affliction. Awed by this experience... Hagar returns and gives birth to a son. Abraham is 88 at the time. The years go by, and then the impossible happens. Let's listen. 
This morning's reading is from Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 through 21, and you can find that on page 16 of your Bibles. The Lord dealt with Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to his son, whom Sarah bore him. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Now Sarah said, God has brought laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, who would ever have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. The child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, playing with her son, Isaac. So she said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not inherit along with my son, Isaac. The matter was very distressing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, do not be distressed because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, for it is through Isaac that offspring shall be named for you. As for the son of the slave woman, I will make a nation of him also, because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she cast the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off about the distance of a bow shot. For she said, do not let me look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what troubles you, Hagar? Do not be afraid. For God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Come, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make a great nation of him. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. She went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Parham, and his mother got a wife for him from the land of Egypt. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Mark. Where do you find yourself in this story? With which character do you most identify? Perhaps you relate to Abraham, who risked everything to follow God 
and who never gave up hope during the long years of waiting for divine promises to be fulfilled. Maybe you understand why Abraham found it easier to talk to God than with his own family, and how a man whose faith was rock solid could be such a wimp when it comes tame to dealing with the conflict between the women in his life. Maybe you can relate to Abraham's anguish when he found himself having to choose between the two sons he loved so well. If so, then maybe you can understand why his concern was more for Ishmael than for the woman who bore him. Or perhaps you identify with Sarah, who not only found herself in a strange land following an even stranger God, but who endured decades of shame because she was childless. Perhaps you understand the desperation that led her to offer her slave to Abraham, as well as the hurt that she suffered when a pregnant Hagar treated her with contempt. Perhaps, too, you are able to share her amazement and joy as Sarah finally, unbelievably, gives birth to a long-awaited child. If so, you will understand the protectiveness and the fear that led her to tell Abraham to send Hagar and her son away. Maybe it is Hagar to whom you most relate, a slave who had no choice when she was sent to Abraham's tent to become a surrogate mother and could, could not help but feel proud, even smug, when she accomplished something her mistress could not. Perhaps you too have wanted to run away from an intolerable situation but have endured for a greater good. And perhaps you understand all too well the pain of being unwanted, rejected, cast out, even though you have done nothing wrong. Maybe you know the helplessness, the anger, and utter despair that Hagar felt as she sat in the wilderness and wept. It may be, however, that you most relate to firstborn Ishmael, who had grown up as his father's pride and joy, only to be pushed into the background when Sarah's child was born. Some translations of the Hebrew indicate that Ishmael was not just playing with his half-brother, but, but was, in fact, making fun of him. Maybe that rings true to you. And maybe you have experienced something akin to the confusion, the hurt, and the sense of betrayal that Ishmael surely felt when his father gave his mother some meager supplies and sent them, sent him away. Or maybe you relate best to Isaac, the child who is the unwitting center of this story, the boy who is teased by his big brother, the son who is so precious that others must be sacrificed for his sake, yet who will almost become a sacrifice himself in the years to come. Where do you find yourself in this story? No matter which person you identify with, or even if you don't identify with any of them, notice this. God hears each one of them. God hears them all. God hears the love underneath the fear that causes Sarah to seek the removal of a threat, real or imagined, to her beloved son's future. 
God hears Abraham's distress at the thought of sending his firstborn away and reassures him that Ishmael will not be forgotten. God hears the child Isaac and surprises us, and maybe even Abraham, by siding with Sarah, working through her to carry through him to carry out God's plans for the future. God hears Hagar and Ishmael cast out of their home into a barren wilderness with little help and no hope. Interestingly enough, the angel who speaks to Hagar does not say that God has heard her, but rather that God has heard the voice of the boy where he is, and thus speaks to her, telling her not to be afraid, repeating God's promise that Ishmael will become the head of a great nation, urging her to lift up her son and pointing out a nearby well. God hears and responds to Hagar and Ishmael's need for water, but also for their need for assurance. While Ishmael was not to be the elected son of Abraham, the scripture tells us that God was with the boy, caring for him, watching over him. And then the end, God did fulfill his promise to Hagar, for Ishmael became the ancestor of the people of Islam who claim him as their patriarch. God hears Abraham and Sarah and the child he has chosen for his purposes. But God also hears the uppity slave girl and the son who was born to the wrong wrong woman. God hears them and takes care of them. And God hears you and me too. In the words of Reverend Sarah Butuex, We need to know that just as God did not abandon Hagar in her wilderness, so God will not abandon us in ours. This story offers us hope for all those times when we feel alone and afraid, when we feel confused or angry. God hears. Our cries do not go unneeded. Our struggles do not go unnoticed. God hears, and whether we've been in church a million times or have not darkened the door forever, God hears, and God will respond with love and grace. In turn, this story challenges us to hear and help others, especially those who are the outcasts rejects of our society, many of whom, like Hagar, are victims of circumstances beyond their control. Remember the promise that God gave to Abraham when he called him? In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. We Christians believe that that promise was ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And as his followers, we are called to join with him in blessing the families of the earth, hearing their needs and acting for their welfare and well-being, even as we hear and care for one another. Jew Herring offers this thought. The story of Hagar is a ray of light streaming into dark circumstances, pointing us to a God who makes a way out of no way, whispers to us that we are never completely forgotten, never all alone, never left for dead, whatever our circumstances may be. God hears. Thanks be to God. Amen.